Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So maybe you never learn anything, but hopefully you have a good time listening. So today we are wrapping up our I Put a Spell on You magic and horror theme with the 1989 flick Warlock. (laughs) Uh, which is a goofy as hell movie that I cannot <laughs> wait to get into here. But <laughs> uh, before we do that, we have our usual spoiler-free stuff, so we'll let you know when we are about to get into spoiler territory with Warlock. And for those of you that don't know, Warlock is uh, a film directed by Steve Miner, who did Friday the 13th Part 2 through 3, as well as the film House. He's done some pretty uh, some pretty great flicks out there. Um, it was written by David Toey, who uh, wrote Pitch Black, Ooh. The Vin Diesel movie, so... <laughs> Which I just saw for the first time recently. And it's excellent. Yes. Um, but, but anyway, so it was made by them, and it essentially follows a 16th... What? 16th century? 17th yeah. century? 16th. 1600s warlock, <laughs> who... <laughs> uh, played by Julian Sands, who uh, time travels to the future all the way to 1989, and he's chased by... A guy named Redfern, played by Richard E. Grant. And basically, when the warlock gets to the future, he has to, like, find a bunch of pages to an old book called The Grand Gomar, puts that together for Satan, and then all of creation ends, and yep. blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> so that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, but before that, we have our usual spoiler-free stuff. So we'll let you know when we're about to get into spoiler territory with Warlock. So... As far as releases go this week, uh, not a whole ton, but there is one that I'm very excited about. Uh, First up this week is The Pond, which is on VOD on the 23rd. These will all be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, This comes out on the 23rd and is reviewed by our writer Jeffrey W. Hollinsworth on KillerHorrorCritic.com. You can follow Jeffrey at Twitter, uh, at Umbrella underscore Ops, O-P-S, and... The Pond's essentially about, I believe, I haven't seen this one myself, but it's about an archaeologist who uh, feels as if he's on the verge of some kind of apocalyptic discovery, and then there's, like, weird shit happening, (laughs) and (laughs) I can't really get too much more into it than that, but uh, Jeffrey describes the film as just very kind of, like, hypnotic and dreamy and kind of weird, you know, so possibly a bit lynch He He wasn't a huge fan, he's kind of like, medium on it you know Mm -hmm. but so if you're into those kinds of movies something a little more art house it sounds like the pond could be up your alley uh but the one that i'm excited for this week is the vigil which will be out on the 26th on vod and this was reviewed by our writer on killerhorrorcritic.com paul bauer who you can follow on twitter at a nasty woman and nasty is spelled with two s's (laughs) this one's essential and paul and i both love this movie but this is essentially about a, a Jewish man dealing with a crisis of faith, 
who is hired to be a shomer for the night, and a shomer is this traditional practice of someone who watches over the body of the deceased the day before they're buried. Okay. And so he gets hired to watch over this body for the night, and of course, this being a horror film, that does not go well. Yeah, that and sounds he, terrifying. <laughs> and he encounters an evil spirit that is within the house, and and it just gets pretty nuts from there. But this one is terrifying. Uh, it, I, I caught it last year. Uh, when I believe it released in the UK and just was blown away by it. I just, it it feels like a film that A24 would pick up if you're into those kinds of scary films like Hereditary or Midsummer. Oh, okay. You know, so it's a little, I don't like using the term elevator horror because I think that's <laughs> bullshit, but it's it's along the lines of that type of horror that typically comes through them. Uh, but this is coming out of IFC Midnight. Uh, but it, it deals with that. It deals with uh, conflicts of faith and... It, and persecution and like what the outside world can do to someone with beliefs, you know, or 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 really not even that. It it deals with how the outside world can persecute you for, you know, either beliefs or skin color or that kind of thing and how that affects the person internally. So it's a really good film, highly recommend it. But that's it for releases. So we always like to also do a poll through our Twitter at Killer From Space, kinda of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film that we're discussing this week. So between Love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it. Where do you think the audience falls on Warlock? I feel like it's between either it's fine or have never seen it. Because, yeah, I feel like this is a fun movie, but I don't know. I wouldn't put it in the love it category. (laughs) So you're close. Uh, So never seen it did win out on this one at 35.5%. Love it was 31.2%. It's fine was 26.9%. And don't like it was 6.5%. So... It, a lot it of feel- people love this movie. I, to be honest, I was surprised by how many got to love it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's cause, fun. Because I'm with you where, like, th- this is a film that I don't... It's kind of one... I, you know, I think part of it for me is nostalgia, because this is one that I grew up with. I grew up with this series. There's three of them, by the way, unless there's a fourth that is slipping my mind right now. But as far <laughs> as I know, it's just the three. It, it's one that I grew up with, and it's just a really fun, goofy horror flick, you know? Yeah. it. It has a lot of issues, which we're, <laughs> which we're going to get into in a bit here. But um, but it's a goofy film, you know. It, it's it's really fun. Julian Sands is great. But I, I fall in the It's Fine category as well, you know. Like, it's not one that I rave about. I'm not yeah. running down the street screaming at people to watch Warlock. <laughs> uh, but I do really like Warlock. So, <laughs> And then ever seen it doesn't surprise me because this is just one of those, even though it became a franchise, it feels like one of those horror franchises that just kind of has slipped through the cracks yeah. of time. You know, I mean, and that's going to start to happen, and I feel like an old fuck for saying that, but let's face it, at this point, 1989 was 30 years ago, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's going to start happening to some films unless we keep talking about them, right? Well, that's why we do uh, them for the episodes. Exactly. So, uh, so we always like to grab some of your comments to go along with these, so just a few of you here, and these are all from Twitter, at Dami in LA, uh, and Dami is D-O-M-M-Y, and then in L-A, and Dami's a friend of mine, what's up Dami, how's it going? Dami's had a birthday recently, happy birthday Dami. Happy birthday! <laughs> uh, but he says, perfectly likable horror movie, I really like Miner, who, who directed it, he's a solid director, for me Warlock Armageddon is even better, a wild fun ride, and I believe off the top of my head that's part two that he's talking about. <laughs> 
Uh, I agree. I think that this is a really fun, fun film. I'm, I'm not always good with directors, but I love Friday the 13th, so I like all the Friday the 13th he's directed. Well, and for a long time, Sackhead Jason was your favorite Jason. He so. was my favorite Jason. Until <laughs> until ooh. I brought you over to Jason X Darkness side. <laughs> uh, you did not bring me over. I am a trash creature. I would have gotten there on my own. <laughs> Whatever. I showed you Jason X. That's I think. true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like the direct with everything. This you saying that Warlock Armageddon is the better one makes me excited because like I kinda wanna see the rest of the series now, because I've only seen the first one. Yeah, no, so I am in agreement with Dami. I do think that Warlock Armageddon is the better one, if that is part two, which I do believe it is. Uh because in part two, like part one is kind of that campier sort of fish out of water adventure yeah. kind of movie with horror elements mixed in you know and warlock 2 kind of goes a little bit further with the horror like it got it got darker it they they went a little bit wilder and meaner with some of the effects you know so, <laughs> and, and it started it, it it definitely started to become like more about the warlock and not the adventure that this yeah. first movie is mm. And then part three is fine, but it doesn't have Julian Sands, so... So what's the point? Yeah, he kind of he kind of makes these movies. They're all fun. They're all fun, but but I agree. Part two is the best. Um, but anyway, thank you, Dami, for the comment. Really appreciate it. Next is at Metal Lyman 72. So that's Metal and then L-I-M-A-N 72. And they say Warlock was one of those films that promised more than it delivered. It's good fun, but the trailer promised so much more. Much better than the sequels that followed, though. <laughs> so you can see we have a bit of conflicts <laughs> in the comments here. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree with you. There's there's something about Warlock that you get to the end of the movie and you're just kind of like, oh, was was that it? That's right. that's all we're doing. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. I mean, that was fun, but mm. yeah, there's. I do just want something just a little bit more from this first Warlock film because, like, we don't. We don't get a lot of gore. We don't get a lot of kills. Um, and we spend time with characters that, I'm going to be honest, I do not care about. <laughs> no, yeah, and we're, we're going to get into all that throughout <laughs> this. But, uh, but no, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's a film that, by the end, you feel like it could have been something more, maybe. And I realize that any time us fans say that, we just sound like total dicks because we're <laughs> like, this movie wasn't what I wanted it to be, you know? But... But it does ha it does feel like there was more potential there, yeah. you know, uh, and it, and a lot of that does come down to issues and <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. But no, yeah, I I st I do disagree with the last part because, like I said, I do think part two is better. But it's we all have our opinions, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, that's what I love about franchises like this is we can kind of have each have our own favorites, you know. Um, but anyway, thank you, Metal Lemon seventy two, for the comment. Really appreciate it. And next up is at M Stella twenty one zero one. So that's M S T E L L A two one zero one. And they just say seen long time ago, but remember some cheesy parts. Oh fuck yeah, there's cheesy parts. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get that in there because oh fuck yes, is this oh, movie yeah. campy? <laughs> like if you haven't seen Warlock. It's like the definition of campy yes. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it's, it's very campy, which makes it really fun. I feel like the campiness of it makes up for the fact that not enough happens in it. Mm. You know? So, like, even though there's not a whole bunch with the story, well, at least there's some fun campy bits that it, make it enjoyable. It's the endearing quality about it, you know? It's one of those films where, especially looking back on it in 2021, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, more than 30 years later, 
there are there are certainly quite a few elements that have not aged well, no. right? So, <laughs> uh, but but in a way that makes it fun for me personally, you know, like it's it just you know you don't like to laugh at a movie, you want to laugh with the film, but fuck that, I'll laugh at a movie. Well, I feel bad for saying that, like towards the filmmakers, you know, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I love your movie, I laugh at it all the time, like your movie's fucking stupid, like you know, it's not. <laughs> Nobody, nobody, I don't want to be like that, but, yeah. but I, but yes, it is one of those movies where like, you can certainly have fun at its expense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, no, so thank you, M. Stella, for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, next is at Mavethel, and that's M-A-V-E-T-H-E-L. And they say, I personally feel the sequel was superior. There, I said it. I also like pineapple on my pizza with ham. And since we already talked about the sequel, I will just say... Yes, agree, and yes, I also like pineapple on pizza with my ham, because there's no other way to eat pizza with ham without pineapple. You have to have the pineapple. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Oh, get the hell out of here. Okay, (laughs) hey, fuck you. No, 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 I'm sorry. Let's flip it. Let's flip it. If you got pineapple on your pizza, there better be ham on your pizza. Yes, I agree with you on that. (laughs) No, I misspoke, because you can totally have pizza with ham and, like, three other kinds of meat, and it is just as delicious. I (laughs) fucking love ham, so I'll eat ham any way I can get it. But, yeah, no, we are are Hawaiian pizza household. I just really fucking want Hawaiian pizza right now. God, yeah. (laughs) I don't remember the last time I had good Hawaiian pizza. Um, God damn you, pandemic. (laughs) Uh, But... (laughs) Uh, but anyway, thank you, uh, Maythil, Mav- for the comment. Really appreciate it. And lastly is at Bede Germine. And this is a buddy of mine, Bede. What's up, Bede? And that's spelled B-E-D-E-G-E-R-M-Y-N. And Bede One's a podcast with his uh, co-host, Marcy. You should definitely follow Bede and, and Marcy on Twitter. And their Super Network podcast. It's awesome. They do all kinds of different horror stuff. But... Anyway, uh, Bede says, I haven't seen this in a while, but when I first watched it about 15 years ago, I remember not liking it at all. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes on to say, I recently picked up the trilogy Blu-ray box set, and I'm going to give it another spin to see if I feel any differently about it. Uh, So this box set is from Veshram Video. I do own it. It's excellent. Like, if you are a fan of Warlock, totally pick up this box set. Loaded with special features. The films have been restored and they look great. Yeah, be it. I would say give it another chance. You know, it's been uh, it's been 15 years. You say, and like, <laughs> you know, I I'm one of those people where, and you'll you've probably heard me say this a lot here, or you will hear me say this a lot. But if you're a new listener, but I'm one of those people where I say movies that you don't like, and unless it's something that you truly hate, because it just you know affects you on an emotional level yeah. that you're like, fuck no, I never want to watch this again. You know, unless it's <laughs> that kind of movie. I do say, like, films that you're kind of unsure about or that you don't like, but there's kind of a little bit of a falling for, I say I say, give it another chance, you know? Give yeah. it another chance every 10 years because the older you get, the the diff- the more different you're going to approach some of these movies, you know? Like, me 10 years from now, I'm probably going to look at some movies I love and be like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, I'll move on from... Well, I'll never move on from Ghoulies too, but you know, no, like, you won't. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you know what it, you know what I mean. You age out of certain movies, or you age into certain movies, yeah. and and plus, going in without any expectations is a big improvement because Warlock is one of those movies that will probably disappoint you the first time. <laughs> yeah, if you go into it with very minimal expectations, like it's a fun film. I also cannot fault anybody for just like not liking this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. 
Uh, so anyway, so thank you, Bead, for the comment. Really appreciate it. So before we get into spoilers, we also like to do our tagline versus the film, just kind of get our own personal thoughts on the film and, and the tagline of it. So the tagline for Warlock, uh, there were two. I'm going to read one because it makes me laugh, and that is, Satan also has one son. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Warlock overall? Uh, that, that tagline's dumb. I'm just going to say that tagline's dumb because it really doesn't tie into the film. Well, very much. I disagree there, but I do think that the tagline is dumb on many levels because... It only ties in because the Warlock, like, negotiated to be the only son. Yeah, that's all he needs to do. All right, fair enough. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> the The dumb part of that is... Yes, we know. This is America. We kiss God's butt, you know, like we <laughs> we know that there's Jesus and we know that there's an Antichrist, you know, and this is not me saying I believe in any of that, but that just happens to be the prevalent yep. belief in this fucking country. Um, No offense to anybody who believes that. Yeah. Just make that clear. <laughs> but we do kiss God's butt. But yeah, no, it's just a dumb tagline. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's a dumb tagline. We know Satan has one son. We've He's in a ton of horror films. But no, but it does fit the film. And, and look, overall... I do kind of like that Warlock engages in a lot of this religious stuff because we're oh. going to talk kind of how that plays into this movie. But but no, I mean, like we said, Warlock overall, fun movie. Fun, campy. Not not one that I think will blow you away, but there are some really cool things about it. Julian Sands is great. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it's funny, too, you know, I was listening to an interview with him where he talks about how... You know, he doesn't really look at Warlock as a horror film. He looks at it as very, like, Shakespearean. And and, and he, apparently he took his inspiration for the character from, like, Richard III. And I think it, it makes sense, like, when you go and watch Warlock and his performance, you can kind of see, like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. He, think, he thinks this is a Shakespearean play. <laughs> Absolutely. That totally makes sense for his performance. I like that my first thought when you said that was, what a nerd. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, he's definitely a nerd. They're yeah, all nerds. They're all, all, nerds. all these people that you worship in film, they're all nerds yeah. <laughs> for the uh, most part. But yeah, that totally makes sense for his performance and how he played everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, you can you certainly get the sense that like he's approaching it a certain way that maybe the director's not approaching it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but I, I think that just speaks to to Julian Sands' understanding of what was going to work for this movie because yes. he knocked it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's the whole reason to watch this film. Oh, for sure. And he also does mention it's too bad that he wished that the other two leads, that, that Refford and Cassandra, with a K, uh, hoped their characters would return so that they could continue their little thing they got going, and that just didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> but <laughs> but no, but it's a fun film. Definitely worth seeing. Yeah. It's I don't know of where it's streaming at the moment, uh, but... I, we're going to be moving to spoilers now, so definitely recommend checking out the film if you can before this. But otherwise, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to spoil Warlock for you. So, see you in a sec. If you've been enjoying Killer Horror Critic, please make sure to head to iTunes and leave a review and rating, as this helps the show get noticed by others and would be a huge favor to me. Also, make sure to check out my Patreon, where you can receive access to exclusive content, such as bonus questions for each episode, extra episodes, and more. To find out details, visit www.patreon.com slash killerhorrorcritic. Thank you so much for your support, and I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. All right, and we're back here talking about the 1989 film Warlock, directed by Steve Miner. So, 
So we're about to be spoiling the film. So again, if you haven't seen it, definitely recommend checking it out before you listen to the rest of this because we are going to go over, through, under, whatever <laughs> through this film. Uh, so, uh, so just know that ahead of time. Um, but as usual, just like to start off with, who do you want to talk about in this movie? You know, we've got the warlock we've been talking about. It was played by Julian Sands. You've got... Uh, Redfern, the guy hunting him, played by Richard E. Grant. You've got Cassandra, who's kind of like the love interest, played by Laurie Singer. Who do you want to talk about in Warlock? I want to talk about Redfern, because fuck that guy. I do not like this dude. He is kind of awful, and I kind of, it's a bummer that he's our lead. Oh, uh, so why do you not like Redfern? <laughs> well, okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be inclined to dislike him from the beginning, because he's a witch hunter. And, like, look, witch hunters were scum of the earth. Like, <laughs> scum of the earth human beings that, like, hunted mainly women, but, like, just put people through hell because of whatever bullshit. So, Redfern, yeah. I do not give a fuck that Warlock killed your you... girl or whatever nonsense. Oh, well, no. Maybe that's going to... Okay, well, all right. Either way, Redford has most likely slaughtered many innocent women. <laughs> exactly. Like, and look, this dude is kind of a, like, dick from the get-go. Like, his first interaction with Cassandra is, like, she screams because there's a random dude in her house, and he fucking punches her in the face. That's, that's what you did in 1600s. They, like, they, that was... Like, th this dude just, like... You know, that was as common as, like, you know how we wash our hands before dinner now? That was 1600. <laughs> you just slap your wife before you sit down for a meal. <laughs> Hi, bitch. Wha-bam. Come in. How was your day? Slap. Yeah. <laughs> this like, is awful. That, I, yeah, don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean to make fun of any of that, but... <laughs> but, like, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Is like you're introducing this hero. You're introducing this character who's supposed to potentially be our love interest. And his first thing out the gate is to hit the girl he's with constantly talk down to her and then it takes him two days before he finally asks what cassandra's name is like you are no hero <laughs> I, redfern i do love that that they are basically on a trip for like 48 hours and it isn't until so far in that he finally asks what her fucking name right? is <laughs> like Jesus Christ. And, and also, did she not ask his name? No, like, she why? knows his name. She'd been using it the whole time. Well, but it's like, why are they... How is he... Why does he not know her name? Because he's a <laughs> dick. No, so I, I'm with you. I Look, it is not Richard E. Grant's fault. Richard no. E. Grant did not write this character, but this character blows. I, I am not a fan. I am not a fan of Redfern. He, I, I am a fan of how goofy he is yeah. by 2021 comparison. You know, because I look at Redford and he is just, he's hes wearing his furs and hot-ass L.A., you know. He's got his super mullet. You know, he, he's, like, he's like the poor man's Highlander, right? You know, and he, <laughs> and, and he is just, oh, my God, is he a sexist dick? He has a fool. And also, look, I would like to remind everybody that in the final battle between the Warlock and Redfern, Redford's the one that fucking cheats first. Like, he's all like, okay, we have to do this. No magic, no knives, anything like that. And then motherfucker pulls a cheap-ass trick by taking consecrated ground and rubbing it in the warlock's face. Like, that's are fucking you really cheating. Gonna, are you really going to blame Redfern for fighting the warlock? With, he cheated. With he's fighting a fucking warlock. Yeah, <laughs> he has no weapons on him. He's, he's supposed to, neither does the warlock. He's not using magic or any no, shit. No, no, no. Look, I will shit on Redfern for a lot of things. I am not going to shit on Redfern. 
for using whatever fucking skill he needs to or whatever tactic he needs to to fight the warlock. His smart tactic <laughs> was telling was making the warlock think that he had to fight him hand-to-hand combat and making him stand up for his manhood <laughs> by saying, "Oh, so you do fear me." You know, like that was smart on Redford's part. That's the one smart thing Redford does That's in the entire true. film. <laughs> I have to lay one other crime at Redford's feet because it's a big one. He kills the cutest bat in existence. I swear to God, that bat in the attic, the Mennonite's attic, when that had it coming, like, should have been flying around in that attic. That, like, you look at that bat, and that's the cutest bat I've ever seen in horror movies. Like, it's so adorable, and Redfern just murdered it. I'm going to warn you right now. We ever have a bat fly into our place, I'm either going to accidentally kill it out of fear, or I'm at least going to drive it the hell away, and probably not kindly. So. You can drive it away. Like, you save spiders, so I'm pretty confident you're not going to kill a bat. It would be by accident, out of fear, like I said. I would f- I would freak out. You know, I'd be eating soup on the couch and just, like, about fly by, and I'd, like, whip the pot at it because I'd be so scared, you know? So- <laughs> soup everywhere is a dead bat. It would, be, it would be knocked out by the pot and drowned in soup. <laughs> is how is how a bat's dying if it gets to our place. All right, look, I got to talk about Cassandra. So, so, no, reference sucks. And, and going – to me – I feel like Redfern is representative of this movie's point of view towards women. Oh yes, because and we're gonna get, we're gonna get a little bit more into this, but Cassandra is just like she's the epitome of a really bad stereotype. Yes, in in, in movies, in particular, action and horror films of the time, but really just in general, we're like. I don't know what I want to call her. I've never actually thought about what I want to refer to this as, but to me, and maybe you have a different idea of what stereotype I'm talking about here, but to me, there's a stereotype with, with women in film from a certain time where women were stereotyped in a sense in some of these movies where they were portrayed as just being like totally aloof and, (laughs) (laughs) and just like not present in the world. Like just, I, I don't know, just very, just like, nonchalant about everything right yeah shallow like, self-absorbed yes that's there yeah, we go that's putting in a much more succinct words yeah, than i'm trying they're, here <laughs> they're not quite bimbos cassandra's not quite like what we would typically think of as a bimbo because she does have some smarts but yeah. yeah she's completely painted as just this like i'm not gonna say narcissistic but like Let, let's put it this way whenever you see a drifter whenever you see a male drifter in a film they're usually like the strong quiet or, or they're usually like the strong, silent type that mm-hmm. they've got a dark past, you know, and they, mm-hmm. and and they. It's not that they're dumb or anything. They're just like they're tough and they're a hero, you know. And whenever it's like, and, and Cassandra, for all intents and purposes, is kind of a drifter. Like she has no, she has no home necessarily. She's just kind of at her current stop, you know, moving, yeah. moving on in the world, and. And whenever it's whenever that character, whenever that drifter is played by a woman in movies like these, you know, they're always like these totally aloof, kind of slightly brain dead <laughs> women, you know, flaky women. So you could you could totally, I think, see the this difference there, right? In between yeah. how the two of them are portrayed. But but you see it all throughout Cassandra where like, you know, there's so many clues to her personality, and Chris is gonna hate me talking about this <laughs> like this because <laughs> Because I actually think that Chris and Cassandra are, like, similar in some ways. I absolutely where, do. Where, like, when you first meet Cassandra, there's all these little hints at her where, first of all, she's got, like, the, the rice pillow. Love. Which is very, which is very like, Japan. And it, and it speaks to, like, a desire for other cultures outside of America, right? 
she's got these earth earrings and earth bracelet, which to me just basically she just speaks to me as a person without a place in the world necessarily and just always kind of moving on from one place to the other. Yeah. And, and she's kind of like a person that's like trying to find her purpose or something, right? Yeah. I fucking love Cassandra. Like, the moment that I saw her bedroom, because our first introduction to her is she's sleeping in her bedroom. Like, I knew I was going to be obsessed because, look, she's got a, a fucking, like, pink fluffy dress just, like, pinned to her wall. She's mm. got a fucking creepy baby head altar thing on her Okay, on and, her this, wall. and this is the thing where this is the I, thing where I see Cassandra, I'm like, ah, why, why are you doing that? Because the... What is the deal with the the creepy baby it's doll? Cool. Friend? It's not cool. I would own that. I would burn it. <laughs> you bring that in the house, I am burning that. The, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to make it. Good luck getting through one-fourth of it because <laughs> I'm going to fucking burn it the first chance I get. Look, Cassandra has this like frame that is made out of creepy eyeless baby doll heads, but... Yep. But to me, aside from the creepiness of that, I think that just speaks to like the theme that they're trying to trying to put her in, you know, or, or, or this trope they're trying to put her in where I think it speaks to like kind of like a childishness a little bit, right? Yeah. Or, or that's how it's trying to be portrayed. Oh, absolutely. But no, it's just like it. <laughs> she just, the, 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 the writing of the character just cracks me up. Yeah. It just like, it cracks <laughs> me up because it's so bad. But, and you see that she also like is, is lacking responsibility. Like she talks about how she hates insulin and she just hates that she has to do it. Yeah. And it just kind of seems like the one thing in her life that she has to do, right? She, and She doesn't like being forced to do anything. She always wants it to be her decision. She wants to make all of her own choices, being in right. control of all of her own things. But yeah, they just kind of pass it off as like, oh, you're flaky because you don't even want to do this. And she's just like, nah, bitch. Like she just wants to control her own life. Right. And, and you know, for those that are kind of like, oh, I don't know, I think you're reading a little bit too much into the childish thing. Let me put it this way. Cassandra's whole deal through the first half of this movie is that she gets cursed by the warlock to have an aging spell on her. And the things that we're talking about right now with her, like, not taking charge or not finding a place or responsibility or whatever, the <laughs> as she gets older through the film, she gets wiser in a way. Like, she, you know, at first she's telling Redfern, like, I'm not, I'm not coming with you. Like, I get my bracelet back that's been cursed and then I'm gone. And anyway, up until that point, like, Cassandra's not really doing a lot of smart things. <laughs> it, it, she, she's running away from these creepy-ass dudes, which is a yeah. lot smarter than a lot of 80s teen slasher films, right? But, exactly. But she's not, she's not, like, coming up with a plan necessarily. No. You know, she's not, she's not, like, verbally doing these kind of things. But as she gets older, you know... She's the one who points out when they stop at the Mennonite's house and Redfern finds the page in the attic and, you know, they're talking about, like, what the page is all for. Yeah. She's the one who has to be like, hey, dumbasses, you really think the warlock would just leave a page behind if he's so up its up this book's butt, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to know your thoughts on, like, this fucking age spell. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, it... <laughs> right? <laughs> So I mean, here's the thing: the the age the age spell idea itself is not inherently dumb. Like it's, you know, I I feel like that's a thing that could work for sure. I think it's just the way that it's approached, you know, because uh, first of all, Cassandra says that the aging thing is literally the worst thing that could ever happen <laughs> to her, and it kind of plays into this trope of like, 
you know, women and beauty and all that kind of stuff. And, and like the to only get older. And... Yeah, not wanting to get older and the only thing she cares about is looks. You know, it, it, it starts to play into that kind of thing with just how... Which is how much the aging thing is, like, the biggest deal to her. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as bad if... <laughs> it wouldn't be as bad if the film just kind of, like, ended that there and then didn't go even further with some of these things. <laughs> and so what ends up kind of happening is, you know, the spell, the way it works for those that haven't seen it that are still listening at this point. For some reason, I don't know why you haven't watched it yet, but but it <laughs> the way it works is... You age 20 years each day, right? So she's yep. 20 when she first gets cursed, and then the next day she wakes up and she's 40. Yep. Now, I have to tell you, I'm almost 34. Chris is 33. My parents are well over 40. <laughs> and the way that she acts when she wakes up and she's 40, you would swear that she's like 90 fucking years old. You know, yeah. like she, she's basically waking up and being like, Oh my god, I'm hideous! You know, like she, like she thinks that she is just the ugliest person on the planet now because she's forty. Yeah, and like in some ways, I can kind of get it because maybe I would freak out if I went from twenty to forty. But also, I don't think I've really changed that much in the way that I look from twenty to thirty-five, other than looking slightly older. So. You have not. Although having said that, you have fr freaked out about turning thirty. Well, yeah, no shit, because nobody <laughs> wants to get older. But the point, but the point is, I'm not looking. To, I'm not looking at myself in the mirror and be like, "I'm hideous," yeah. even though, even though I'm just, I'm, I'm not even that old. You know, that's that's the point. Like, forty is not that old. No, it it's feels, really not. Feels like it when you're twenty, but it's not that old. You know, and like especially when you consider, like, you feel like you've lived a long life, and your parents are, you know, or, or, or and you got other people twice your age, right? So, it's so she reacts that way. But then to go along with that, the makeup is just not, not top great. tier. And yeah. it's too bad because the makeup's actually really good in other moments in the movie, but her age makeup is not good, and the special effects artists will admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can definitely tell in their interviews that they are not happy with the makeup, and they're actually surprised that this movie even has fans because you can tell that you can tell that they're pretty much like, we felt like our work was not great. And yeah. so this movie, therefore, is not great. You know? so, <laughs> but no, so it's just, it's like that. And then, I mean, she becomes 60 and then you could swear to God that she's like an old crone, you know? I mean, she's even talking in a way where it's like, Chris, get me my pillow. Uh, you know, and it's like, she's I, fucking 60 years old. My mom's 60. My mom is nothing like that. Yeah, my mom's <laughs> 65 and she goes for like hikes. She goes for mile long hikes and everything like that. The, right, exactly. Your mom's more fit than I am. Well, <laughs> it's just, it really bugs me the train scene. Like there's this scene where she's trying to trace down the warlock. He's on like a, a train car and she's chasing it as the train's going really slowly. And we spend so much fucking time ostensibly looking down on Cassandra trying to run and catch up with this train. And, like, uh. it's one of the scenes I don't like as much because I'm like, this bitch has worked so fucking hard. Like, she she tries so hard to, like, take care of things and be on top of shit. And this entire movie just shits on this poor girl. Like, <laughs> look, she's the one who figures out that they should jump ahead. They should go to Boston. Like, she's willing to give Redfern her car, her credit card, do whatever she has to so that he can keep on his journey. Right. But this movie keeps trying to be like, no, she's just a shallow girl who just wants to party. And she's just really fucking plastic. Like, 
as a girl who would love to be plastic, well, like, sure she can't run. That's for sure. No, she can't. Like she's but, got some fancy, uh, fancy ass trainers for that too. Well, I mean the and the thing with the train scene too is like you know so basically it's just the unfortunate thing with the aging thing is I do think that it was meant to be taken more seriously in the film, but because of the makeup and because of the way that they're portraying it it's just like impossible to take it yeah. seriously because like the scene where she's running after the train i think i think you know in development process you're thinking like oh yeah it's dramatic because she's aged now and she's not she doesn't have the same speed that she did and yet when you watch a scene you're just like it is this, 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 no. this does not look right you know <laughs> it's just painful uh, it's just painful but um you know, but there's other things going on here, too, where, like, they really do play into, like, the sexist angle towards her. Because they also dig into other stereotypes, like, this idea of, like, um, you've all heard this one of, you know, women can't drive or something like that. Yeah. Because there are... are <laughs> the second scene with her, you know, she's driving a car and she almost <laughs> hits an old woman because she's putting on makeup. And instead of being sorry for it, she, like, stares down <laughs> the old person and is like, fuck you, you and know. And honks at her. And honks at them. <laughs> And then, and then later, she almost causes another accident, you know? So just, like, <laughs> basically, she's just, she she reminds me of, like, a lot of the, uh, like, the 40s, 50s women sidekicks in these movies that were just, like, complete messes, you know? Exactly. And, and so, yeah, there, it's just, it's just totally, like, digging into that stereotype. <laughs> Which, like, there's a part of me of, like, look, this bitch is the one who figures out how to kill the warlock in the end. Like, she's the one who kind of figures out all of this stuff, but no, we're just going to portray her as, like, being ditzy and dumb. And like, look, I'm going to let you know, as a girl who she's has- She's a hideous hag. She's <laughs> 60 years old. <laughs> look, as a girl who has put on makeup while I'm driving a car, like, you can easily do both. Like, for somebody practiced in it, like, no. No, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to encourage that. I'm not trying to encourage <laughs> it, but I'm just saying, like, if you're doing that in a car, you're probably a pretty good driver. No, you're probably a terrible driver. Ah. Don't put on makeup in your car. Don't eat in your car. Don't do any of that stuff in your car. I'm going to do all of that. Cutting that part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so speaking of all that, you know, so how we we so rarely see warlocks in film. You yes. know, it's always witches. Yeah. So, like, why? What do you think of, like, how this movie is portraying warlocks versus witches? You know, because even in 1989, like... It had so rarely been seen. Yeah, it's, you know, I find the presentation of the warlock fascinating in this movie. Um, because, look, we kind of just touched on the, like, slight misogyny that's in this film. And weirdly, the naming of it, I kind of feel like ties into it. Because everybody calls him the warlock. Everybody calls mm. him the warlock. Redfern calls him the warlock. The title calls him the warlock. The only time the warlock refers to himself is when he's talking with that little kid. And he calls himself a witch. Yeah. Like, he calls himself a witch. And that's the thing is, like, in his mind, there is no, it's not a gendered term. It's just this film is leaning into it as a gender term of, like, of course, he's a, he's a dude, so he has to be a warlock. And one of the things I also find fascinating with this is, like, Look, if you compare a lot of his characteristics with what we see often with, like, I want to say female witches in film, he's very he's very similar because he kind of has this seductive charm that we see with witches sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, he strikes very fast, very viciously, which I think is also a common thing we see with with witches. The only thing is he gets to be pretty. Like, that's my, like, big takeaway with this is, like, 
witches normally when we see them like look at the beginning of hocus pocus or witches or um the the wretched um your your witch is always disfigured on the outside it's always the corruption of their soul is showcased on the outside because god forbid a woman with power and agency (laughs) be pretty but like warlock no he gets to be a fine ass man like he gets to be a sexy debonair dude well i mean so there's a lot of things that are different here and it's funny because you start to look into them and you realize like how like just how just how kind of like bad some of the the witch portrayals in our culture have been for such a long time you know and and especially when you really consider like what witches are right like witches uh you know in our culture were basically women who had given themselves to the devil right like Mm -hmm. and given themselves in like every way possible yeah and uh, and I say women because we hardly ever talk about like men being burned at witch trials, right? It was always women for the most part, mm-hmm. and, and that's what it was. It was like a period where we just scapegoated women for everything <laughs> wrong in the neighborhood. Like you know, your your dog takes a big poop. It was a witch. Like <laughs> the the goat's milk is curdy. It was a witch. You know, like yep. it, it, witches were the cause for everything, according to these people. So, so it's really just a way to persecute women, but. You know, the thing, but you notice like the things that the warlock doesn't do that are typical to witches. And one being, you know, that that kid who says witches are girls, you know, that kid brings up that the warlock should have a broomstick because witches fly on broomsticks. Right. Uh And this this witch, the warlock, doesn't need a broomstick. He just needs the fat of a child. (laughs) And then he just flies around like the fucking flash with his arm in front. You know, (laughs) But but no, so he's flying around like that, and you know it, it made it made me think it's not something that we think about too often. But it's like the whole broomstick thing with witches is basically a reference to the fact that you know women were the ones at home cleaning the kitchen, right? Like yeah. they're you know like it's it, it's basically that stereotype, right? So so that's kind of different. And then you start to mention the uh, the sexuality part, and you're absolutely right. Like you know, for many witches in, in film are portrayed as more monstrous you know or like or like these women with you know the the like they're 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 like hags yeah they've got the warts or the boils or or they have like you know really nasty devilish flesh underneath you know like their skin's fake or whatever and like they're always portrayed as a kind of monster and yeah the warlock he's just some dude he's just some pretty dude and the other thing too is you know witches of old they're they both of these, th- them and the warlock, are sexualized in a sense because they both are alluring and attractive and people are attracted to them. Mm-hmm. The difference being, witches would typically actually use sex to to bring people in, right? Like, uh-huh. they, like you see, you know, like I can even think of as recently as The Witch, I almost feel like, you know, that movie practically has a scene where the witch is like, you know, showing herself off and how hot she is to draw the kid <laughs> to her, right? Like, it's, you know, it's kind of like that. Whereas he... He's just kind of ambivalent about the fact that he's pretty, right? Like yeah. people are hitting on him, but he never actually uses that to seduce them. He just He just kind of goes with it. Right. He ends up using whatever magic he can. Like he never he never has a response to the fact that they're attracted to him, right? He's yeah. not, he is not using his sexuality to get in with people. It just happens to happen because he's pretty. So. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, one of the things that I think is actually really cool about this film is the fact that like 
we get a lot of like legit witch traditions with this like the the binding of the thumb and the toe the nailing his footprint and all that kind of stuff so how do you feel about this mix of like the new technology of being in in the present versus all of the old superstitions old people are nuts (laughs) (laughs) or not not old people old world people you know so i worked it does well but see here's the thing this movie (laughs) look i don't want this to sound like first of all i'm not attacking them like you know i i do like this film and i i never want these opinions to be viewed as an attack on the filmmakers but Mm. but look warlock has its issues and you know it it see it comes from this age of of two things that are in film that's just don't play as well now as they used to. <laughs> and, you know, that's the sexism. We already talked about that and kind of mm. like difference between how the women and men are portrayed. Uh, but also the idea of religion and how that's portrayed. Mm-hmm. And kind of what's going on in a lot of Warlock here is this sense of religion good technology bad (laughs) and and what i mean by that is like so it starts in the very beginning where the warlock gets to la and that roommate is talking about how nobody believes in magic anymore you know uh and and you can see on julian sand's face where he's just like oh really (laughs) you know you dumbass you fools um (laughs) So, so the, our our new world is very much portrayed as kind of like ignorant, yeah. you know. It's and and it's funny because when you look at uh, the way the people are in the city, you know, in the city they they seem very ignorant. They don't really understand much about magic or anything like that. Yeah. They uh, they're liars. Like you have the channeler who's faking channeling spirits, you know. Mm-hmm. And basically, you just have you just have all these city people that are like Cassandra, and they're just fake or or dumb or whatever. And then it's like the further you move outside the city and into people that are more religious in the old world, the smarter they get. You know, you meet the Mennonites, and like the Mennonite dude, he knows everything about the warlock. Yep. He knows he knows about the hexes. He knows about how to stop a warlock. You know, he knows all that stuff. And then you have literally the only characters to as far as we know, because it doesn't happen on screen, escape the warlock's wrath are the priest and his wife who tell the warlock where the Grand Gomar is buried or whatever, and they seem to be the only ones who don't have anything happen to them. So (laughs) that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah, I would definitely bet that he's did something terrible to them. I would bet too, but this movie's got its thumb up God's butt so much that... (laughs) We're not going to show the religious people die. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, and even the Mennonite, like, he just gets his eyes bled out. He doesn't <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't actually die, whereas whereas you see some other things that are, like, maybe homophobic. I don't know. Like, oh, Julian definitely. Sands biting the queer roommate's tongue out. You know, yeah. like, it, it almost seems like an attack on his sexuality. But, like, you know, so it just <laughs> it just has this very, like, old world positive vibe like i feel like if i feel like if the movie warlock was a person it would have voted for trump (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you on that. The the only thing that I will say in in slight defense is like, look, I like weird like mysteries of like secrets spread throughout like the country and everything like that. So the one thing I do like that's old school with this movie is this idea of you know, there being treasures just in people's attics that they don't even know about. Like, the fucking weird secret compartments that the grimoire has been, like, divided up into. And, like, this idea that, yeah, like, well, how stupid were these people that divided it? Because, I mean, they didn't... For one, they didn't even do what Renford said and put it on desecrated ground. It's or been, not like, 300 years! They, they forgot! <laughs> what do you mean they forgot? He told them, put it on church ground, and they put it in a fucking desk? <laughs> no, it all went to the, it all went to churches. It just so happened that later down the line, those churches sold those pe- pieces off to... All right, well, either way, none of these pieces spread very far <laughs> from each other, you know? It's like, if you're going to split up a book that will literally end creation as we know it, maybe get around <laughs> the world with it a little bit, you know? Like, putting it in different counties doesn't really help much. Send so. them to Russia. Just get it out of there. Yeah. Put it <laughs> in places where nobody will ever find it. No one wants to go to Russia. Russia sucks. You know? So send it to Russia. <laughs> but, you know, but there's other things that go into this whole old world versus the new world thing and, and like, kind of almost looking down on the new world, you know, where, <laughs> yep. where again, you also have the kid who gets eaten, and why oh. does he get eaten? Because he ain't baptized. Yep. You know? <laughs> and so that that's a very religious, positive message right there, too. Like, get baptized, kids, or a witch is going to eat you fat so he can fly around <laughs> on a highway like the Flash. <laughs> you know, very important lessons coming out of this movie. Yes. Baptize, baptize your kids. So they're going to be used as jet fuel for a warlock. <laughs> yep. And if you're a woman, growing old is the worst thing you can possibly do. Oh, and there's also the thing, too, where, like, the the bodies are moved in the cemetery because of the city. Oh yeah, doing their mm-hmm. whole renovations and movements, and that all has to do with making money and that kind of shit. You know, so like, I will say though that new world technology is what saves the day in the end because it's it's Cassandra's syringes for the insulin. It is, but it doesn't make up for the rest of the no, shit. No, it like, doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we're also told it's evil to fly because of planes. You know, and just I don't know. It's just very. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very very positive towards not the life that i personally live you no, know very positive towards the 16th century All right very positive towards the people that are burying the grand gamar you know top men <laughs> top men are handling this grand gamar that has been buried you know in counties separate from each other instead of the fucking planet um <laughs> top Men. So we did also have uh, one question that I forgot to mention earlier from uh, one of our big supporters, James, uh, who's at James Shannon Mo too, and he just wanted to ask, you know, what we thought of this kind of being compared to Terminator Two and how they both have this fish out of water plot. And I, I will just say this: I mean, they are extremely similar. And <laughs> what? How are how, they, how are they similar? How are they not similar? It's basically. Look, Warlock is basically the reverse plot of Terminator 2 because Warlock involved... And when I say reverse, I just mean going from past to future instead of future to past because Warlock is, you know, our our Redfern dude chasing down the villain, the Warlock, to the future to hunt him down and end whatever he's going to do there. And in Terminator 2, it's... You know, it's our it's our dude traveling, or it's it's Arnold traveling back in time 
to stop the dude who's come to kill John. <laughs> All right. It, it, I, I see the loose comparison. Look, it's a loose comparison. The point <laughs> is, the point is, damn it, is that <laughs> is that there are these fish out of water stories which were popular at the time. Like yeah. we just, you know, you did like time travel was popular. Back to the Future obviously made that a big deal, and so you did get a lot of these kind of like time travel, chasing a villain across time kind of movies. Like I think Trancers is another one from Full Moon. If I'm if I'm remembering that movie correctly. I, like you, see, you just see these examples all through the '80s and the early '90s. <laughs> uh, I like that I'm just being too literal about it. Just like robots and magic are like, not the same. You're like Arnold is not dressed in furs when he gets there. It is not the same movie. <laughs> he is a robot. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're very special. Uh, so all right, so we gotta start wrapping up. But anyway, thanks James for the con- or for the question. Appreciate. It. Uh, so who's your killer idiot of Warlock? Look, my killer idiot is Chaz. I love him, but like. Dum dum, a random dude just threw himself through your window. Send him to the police. Send him to the hospital. Get him the fuck out of your house. You don't know this dude. Like, he came in busting through your window. Like, I'm very sad that he ended up getting murdered for his scorpion ring because the warlock is a petty ass bitch and just wanted the shiny, shiny ring on your finger. But, like, don't let strangers stay in your house. Terrible idea. Yeah, well, it was the 80s, you know. (laughs) (laughs) People were not as smart back then, you know. I was just watching the movie The Hitcher the other day where our main character picks up the Hitcher on the side of the road in the middle of a storm, and I would never do that, you know. It just... (laughs) (laughs) We just thought we were not as as wary of those things back then. Apparently. um, Still, though, yes, if a man crashed through my window, I would probably not just let him stay at my house for the night. In a city where I could easily call the cops or, or an ambulance or something, you exactly. know. Exactly. But no, my killer idiot is the channeler who is played by Mary Warnoff. And one credit that I will also give to Warlock that that I, that I would agree with is that, or, or and one credit that I will give to Warlock is that this movie does feature like a lot of great supporting actors. And Mary Warnoff, you know, we actually talked about her recently. She's the uh, she's the lead scientist in Night of the Comet, but she's my killer idiot in this movie because. She is this channeler, this spiritualist who I'm just calling an idiot because I was just like, really? She thinks that this fucking act fools anybody <laughs> where, she, where she sits at the table like, uh, uh, I am here now. You know, like, People are dumb when it comes to that shit sometimes. They are, but it's still like she she really hams it up, you know, yeah. to make it look like there's no way you would ever buy this. <laughs> Like, we as the audience are supposed to know immediately that she's a fake. <laughs> you know, so so I just watched the scene. I'm like, ah, you're an idiot if you thought that act was ever going to fucking work on anyone. <laughs> I'm going to say she's an idiot because there's a random dude that just shows up in her shop and she entertains him. Because uh, he's hot. He, <laughs> that is true. She is very attracted to him. Exactly. So, um, but no, but she's great. And she does a great job with the makeup. This is my favorite makeup scene in the movie. Yes. Unless, uh, unless you count the burning at the end. But, uh, but it's really good makeup with the demon showing up and talking through her. Uh, but this is one of the moments that I was mentioning where it's like there, there were makeup issues all throughout this. Where, you know, the makeup just didn't always work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, uh, this, I just wanted to mention this because I thought it was hilarious. Where, So this is a scene that they actually cut extra footage because they were you know, so ridiculous with it. That during this scene where the demon shows up, they were gonna have her like rip open her shirt, 
and her nipples were going to be like eyeballs that opened uh, up or something. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, but the apparently like they shot it and I guess the way that it came off was so bad that test audiences were laughing at it. <laughs> and and the director, Steve Miner, was like, ah, not really the emotion I was going for there. <laughs> I don't think anybody can take eyeball nipples seriously. It's pretty tough to take eyeball nipples seriously. Yeah, yeah. no, the, the way, if you wanted it to be scary, that's not really the way to go. So. No. <laughs> but anyway, so who's your killer death in Warlock? The Warlock, he fucking explodes. Yeah, I just wrote Warlock becoming a goo mummy. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. And it was our most like intense death. Although I will give runner up to the small kid because every time we have watched Warlock, there you have this scene where the Warlock's talking with the young boy. And I swear to God, it's the sweetest scene. Like the Warlock's really taking interest in the kid and it's really kind of cute. And there's always that moment as soon as... The, so why the, is your runner up a death that we don't even see? Because <laughs> I think it's such a like... For people who know what broomstick, like what flying ointment was made out of, the moment that that kid goes like, oh, where's your broomstick? And he smiles at him is like this weird thunderclap of realization. And it just gets me every time. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's about to kill that kid. Yeah, well, I mean, and this is another credit to Warlock is like, look, I, like I always say, I don't like kids dying. Like, that's not my approach no. to this. <laughs> But I do like horror films that take risks and don't really have any limits, you know? Like, that doesn't mean you have to go over the limit as far as you can over and over and over again. But I do like films that don't feel restricted, you know? And whenever you kill a kid in a horror movie, it feels like you can do anything, you know? And, like, so I I have to be on edge because I don't know what's going to happen next. But anyways, yeah, Warlock was also my killer death. It's just so... (laughs) the, The effect's just great there, and I love his veins popping and burning and it just although his death screams a little a little much a little not great (laughs) uh what about your killer mvp of warlock it goes to julian sands for his portrayal of the warlock he's the whole reason i like watching this movie i think he does such a like fun fantastic performance that like yeah he wins yeah no so julian was also mine i just think that you know, he he is the reason to watch these movies. Like he's the reason that the first two are so good, or 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 that or that the first two are enjoyable, right? And you know, kind of like I was saying before, I I just I get, I know this isn't true. I know everybody worked hard on the movie and and and, and hard on their roles, but there's just a thing when you're watching him and the other actors together, he just feels the most real. Yes, you know. So, like, it's not necessarily that he's taking it the most seriously, but he just, he feels like he knows exactly what he wants to do with the character, and that doesn't really play <laughs> as well with everybody else, right? So, yeah, fortunately. <laughs> but no, so he's mine as well. So, uh, so it is the end of our month with I Put a Spell on You, Magic and Horror theme. So, as always, we like to go over our ranking of how these movies play to each of us, so... This month, we've talked about Warlock, obviously, um, uh, Lord of Illusion, Spellcaster, The Craft. So between those four, how do you rank our movies this month? Prepare to be disappointed in me. I probably won't be. (laughs) So number four for me is Lord of Illusion. I am so disappointed (laughs) in you. (laughs) You had to know that was coming. I didn't. I'm actually a little bit surprised. Look, I think The Lord of Illusions is a good film, but is it my top rank on on this on this list? No, it's not. It's 
Yeah, it's at the bottom. There's a reason it's number four. Uh, <laughs> number three for me is Warlock. Uh, number two is Spellcaster. And number one is The Craft. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so disappointed in me. So my list is very different. Um, <laughs> so I think that I would put Warlock at the bottom. <laughs> totally fair. Uh, I do really like Warlock, but uh, I happen to like Spellcaster just a bit more. So Spellcaster is my next one. <laughs> and look, I, I don't think that Spellcaster is technically as quote-unquote good of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that Warlock is a much better made film. Uh, but Spellcaster just has so much fun stuff in it. It's and so it's just, fun! It's just one of those movies that I can just kind of like enjoy, whereas Warlock kind of ebbs and flows, you know? it's not. There are just moments that I don't love about it. But then I have The Craft at number three. Of course. <laughs> uh, and Lord of Illusions is my number one. Of course it is. I, I love The Craft, but like I said, I think there are issues with that for it holding up as well that I don't totally appreciate these days. Uh-huh. Um, but Lord of Illusions, I just think is like, of all four of these movies, like Lord of Illusions is just the most unique. It's It just has so much cool stuff going on in it. And it's not perfect like we <laughs> talked about with the noir aspect of it, but... I think it's a really great movie. I don't disagree <laughs> with you. I you don't... totally disagree with me. You put it at number four. Okay, look, <laughs> I always judge movies based on, like, for me, rewatchability. How often am I going to want to put this film on while I'm doing work or in the background <clears throat> or anything like that? And Lord of Illusions just isn't a good background film for me. It's too, it's too heavy. It's a, like, once-a-year film. So if you're a once-a-year film, you're on the bottom of the list. If you're a once-a-month film, then you're close to the top. Yeah, let's see when the next time you watch Warlock is. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, so that's going to do it for us on our rankings this month. Uh, we have not yet chosen a theme for next month, but we will be hopefully announcing that soon, maybe even this weekend after you're listening to this. Now we're going to be moving into our patron stuff where we're going to talk about uh, how well we think that airport scene holds <laughs> up in Warlock because there's a lot of shit there that, oh my. that I thought was just so great. Um <laughs> Uh, and then we'll also talk about uh, whether it makes sense to us that evil always wants to completely undo creation, as is the plot of this movie. Uh, so if you'd like to hear that, just go to patreon.com slash critic for just a dollar a month to get access to all of our additional bonus content. We also do lists of unco- upcoming releases that you should check out, uh, voting, voting for themes and bonus episodes, uh, and, and bonus content for each episode, so definitely check that out if you can. And support us there if you'd like. Every dollar goes right back to our writers, so it helps us keep KillerHorrorCritic.com going and the podcast going. Uh, but we also just appreciate you listening to us as well. So just thank you for thank you for thank you either way for just supporting us. I also want to give a shout out to our killer members on Patreon: Ben Scouten, Michael Campbell, Martin Inchetta, Seth Vermonten, Kelsey Lynn, and John Reed Adams. Just thank you so much for supporting us and keeping us going the way that you do. Uh, we can't do this without you, and just just appreciate it so much but that's gonna do it for us on warlock so again i'm matt and i'm chris and have a great night whore fans bye i hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of killer horror critic if you'd like to scream with us some more please subscribe on itunes and follow us on twitter at killer from space as well as instagram at killer underscore horror underscore critic new episodes release every friday so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way i like them have a good night horror fans <laughs>